Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to... Do you want me to carry on? Or should we just start now? Do you, do you reckon the, the listeners want to hear it? I all? think they'll love it. It's the Christmas elf. <laughs> <laughs> Dashing through the snow on a one-horse open sleigh. I, I'm feeling very Christmassy. Chris, how are you feeling? Oh, look at you with your mistletoe dealy bopper. Oh, my God. I'm so pleased we're not doing this in person. Why? Why? Come on, listener. I've got my my mistletoe dealy bopper. There's a word I don't use often. This is utterly terrifying. You're going to kiss me under the mistletoe? I'm not going to kiss you anywhere near that. Hang on. (laughs) You're listening to the Gig Stories podcast, obviously. Ho 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 ho. No, that didn't sound like Santa Claus, there, did it? It sounded like ho ho. It sounded like Ken Dodd or something. Oh, (laughs) Jimmy, Ken. Let's get them all in. Let's get them all in the intro. That's what we want. We want our listeners to all switch off before the episode even starts. <laughs> Happy Christmas, everyone. Yes, it's the Gig Stories podcast. We've had a few pints of Baileys each, and we are in the festive spirit, and we are bringing you a special Christmas episode. Uh, and I'm so excited about this. Um, a wonderful guest, and w- we'll tell you a bit more about that. But uh, first... How are you doing, Chris? I, I think I know the answer to this. I think you're all right, but yeah. you haven't been to any. You haven't been to any gigs. We haven't been to any gigs have we since we no. last spoke on the podcast. No more gigs. I think that's quite quite enough for one year. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I'm just trying to tie up some loose ends work wise. And my my folks came down from Scotland, so I've actually done Christmas. We had a Christmas dinner on Monday. Yes, um, get in. Yeah. Did so- you have? Did you have pigs in blankets? We did have pigs in blankets. We had pigs about four ways. We had um, we had pork and we had pigs in blankets and yeah, packet frazzles each. You know, it was just <laughs> it was just pork products all over the place. Did you have did you have chicks in blankets? Chicks in blankets. What's that? Yeah. Chicken wrapped in bacon. Yeah, I saw this the other day in uh, in my local supermarket. Chicks okay. in blankets. I'm like, what is that? Well, anything with Obviously. bacon is going to work. So yeah, yeah I'm, not I'm not going to gonna turn my nose up at, at chicken with bacon, and um, so it's, yeah, it sounds it sounds lovely. I've but not do you know what we did though? Bacon for a long while. We forgot what? the we forgot the sprouts. So I, you I had know. the best Christmas ever then? Is no, what you're saying. no, I love oh come sprouts. on, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. You can you can mix it in with pancetta, hammer it with garlic. You are not making a sprout delicious. I'm sorry. No one that eats a sprout goes, mm, mm, this is so delicious. I just want more. Sorry. Not if you've got a tidy dessert. Don't bah believe humbug. Bah humbug. No. Sprouts. Shite. <laughs> Happy Christmas. <laughs> so I'm going to ask a question then. Do Because I don't know the answer to this. By any chance, have you yet booked a, uh, a gig ticket all working because you because you shoot a lot of gigs locally uh, for next year as yet not yet i've got my eyes on photographing a couple of gigs definitely 
definitely got my eyes on on a are you few. allowed to say what are you allowed to say what they are well yeah there's a couple there's a couple at um castlefield bowl um which oh I am next summer desperate yeah i know i know the but, whole you, know. you mean the whole week <laughs> uh falls um i want to see uh, see james are doing um the set list from their famous alton towers gig from 92 was it 92 90 something like that yeah, it was round about the seven album, um, and that looks unbelievable because I checked up on the uh, the set list that they did at Alton, Alton Towers. They've and, actually oh put the set God. list around the edge of the poster yeah. announcement. Yeah, what so a it's great, just, what a great it's move! Just all this, all the songs from well, songs from Seven and Goldmother and Stutter, and I think even um, even Strip Mining. There might be a couple from there, but oh yeah, my maybe. goodness crazy crazy so yeah i've got my eye on that one and falls and um sam fender come on yeah okay yeah i'll 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 do that yeah oh <laughs> you're you're pushing it there mate you're oh, pushing it there just that, messing with you mate. that week in castlefield is unreal and so if you're anywhere near the northwest or even if you're not have a look at um it's june july and there's a week uh of gigs and they are all Brilliant. Who else is oh, there? Because so I've I can't remember who else is on there. Because I know I'll the false gig. A, the false yeah, gig is from um twenty. It was supposed to be a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, that's why it's been rescheduled. Rescheduled. Yeah. I've had my eyes. I've not. I've not bought or planned uh, any gigs yet. There's a couple of rescheduled gigs that I'll be uh, hoping to go to. So the Charlatans and Shed Seven, um, and possibly the libertines again because i you know i've seen them once recently and i'm all of a sudden i'm hooked um but i'm hoping uh to book tickets for the war on drugs they're playing they're playing leads um that's another great album this year Mm. um doesn't quite budge any of my top two which is little sims and sam fender but uh definitely my top 10 i would say so yeah it's be it, it considering circumstances. I'm I'm chuffed with uh, the gigs I've been to this year and and how many I've been to. Uh, mm. Feel quite lucky, and he is hoping that we uh, gigs can safely be attended going onwards. So hope you are all well, listeners. Anyway, it's Christmas, and so I think we should we, we should ask some Christmas questions. And I know uh, that on our socials, uh, Chris did ask our listeners uh some christmasy questions didn't you chris i did i did i was just interested to find out a couple of things um so um a kind of favorite gig based christmas memory was the first one and the reason that popped into my head was because on social media around about the second week of december um it, it happens every year but it's about the um 1994 oasis tour the definitely maybe big bigger tour it was the biggest tour that they'd, they'd had so far and it reminded that me December? that yeah it was december so i went to see them at um the barrowlands i've talked about this in an early episode i think yeah and um, the december 7th i was at uh, glasgow barrowlands and after two songs liam's voice went and he stormed off stage and it was That's the first right. time it was the first time that noel um sang you know acoustic versions of the song so we've got that gig to thank for that um i'm, I'm not a massive fan of of the the noel songs i have to say um 
but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. controversial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, they said towards the end, they said, hang, hang on to your tickets. We'll, we'll do another gig for you. And so everyone was scrabbling around on the floor trying to get there, you know, find a ticket that people had chucked, chucked away. And um, yeah, so, um, so they, they did another gig on the 27th of December. And so I can't remember what, I think it might've been a Monday. It might even have been a Sunday, but I, I do remember that the charts had just come out. So it must've been the Monday because the charts just came out and whatever, which isn't on any albums, um, but it had just gone into the charts at number two. And so it kind of felt really Christmassy. It felt like a proper Oasis Christmas. And, and it was one of the best gigs I've seen them play. They were absolutely on it. And um, yeah, so that, that that kind of made me think, you know, gig-based Christmas memories. So favourite, uh, you, you asked, favourite gigs at Christmas? Yeah. Like that. And then um, you... You also asked people's favorite Christmas song, of course. Yeah. And then the last one was uh, your funniest Christmas cracker joke. Um, and we've got a few of them. So, yeah, who did we well, have? Before we answer them, because I'd like, I, I want to hear our answers to them. Uh, quite a few of you responded on social media, and we uh, appreciate that. Um, Rob uh, on Twitter, he's at Choikles. He's he's put and he, he's not expanded uh, uh, on his answers and I want him to. So I've asked him. We'll see what he comes back with. But his favorite gig at Christmas. Are you ready for this? He saw Slade at Butlins. Oh, how Christmassy is that? That must have been an absolute banger. Yeah. What that is. Does he say when might... it was? No. I mean, no. you'd be a bit gutted if it was before they'd released Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yeah, yeah. Be brilliant. And he's put his fate, and this is this is always a controversial choice, and it cracks me up because I love this song. Um, his favorite Christmas song is "Power of Love" by Frankie Goes to Hollywood, and I was it's say, such Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> yeah, but it's as random as that. It's a great song, mm. but. It's like, I don't know, vampires, power of love. I'm not yeah. sure how Christmassy it actually is. Well, there are some Christmas songs that I do associate. Well, they're not Christmas songs, but I just associate them with Christmas time. So, for example, I was talking to my wife about this yesterday. Um, so House Martin's Caravan of Love, I totally listen to as a Christmas song. Um, oh, Really? Yeah, totally. Just because it was, it, I think it was number one around about Christmas time. Um, that's that's one. And um, oh, what was the other one? Anyway, that that one in particular. That stuff like that does happen, doesn't it? Like for me, the Spice Girls, two become oh, yeah. one. I think yeah. that was number one at Christmas randomly. Yeah, so I feel like that's a, a bit Christmassy. Thing. Yeah, yeah, crazy. And then he's put Rob has put his his favorite joke. What do you call a bunch of chess players bragging about their games in a hotel lobby? Chess- <laughs> chestnuts boasting in an open fire. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's not air. That's not bad. It's not no. good. We've got our mate, Paul, our mate Paul Hughes, um, his music-based oh. Christmas cracker joke. What do Baroque musicians do if they don't like their Christmas presents? Hand them back. Bach. 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 
<laughs> I do like that one. I'm sorry, mate. I, sorry, Paul. I didn't do that justice, really. Um, <laughs> I love it. And genuinely, I, I've got that down as one of my, my favourites. So I'll cross that off the list. It's a good one, isn't it? It's a good yeah, one. Yeah. What was your, did you have a Christmas cracker joke? Oh, yes. I'm saving Are you going to save that till I'll, the end? I'll save okay. it till we uh, finish this. What was Paul's favourite Christmas gig? Um, Paul, his favourite Christmas gig was Mannix playing Last Christmas at MEN Arena. Right. So I don't know if it was Last Christmas that they played the arena. No. Or if they played, or if they played Last Christmas <laughs> no, at the arena. I, I know the, the tour. Was it the Wham? The they played Last Christmas Wham? Yeah. So did James they? Dean Bradfield, he, he did it as an acoustic on a Christmas episode of TFI Friday oh, uh, with, with Chris Evans. It's been doing the rounds now because it was it was this week, however many years ago. Yeah. And they did it on one of their Christmas tours. And I remember him. I remember him doing that. And oh, it they was like great. an odd they like an odd cover, don't they? Because I mean, oh. their first their num- first number one was yeah. it, um, Suicide is Painless, wasn't it? Was that their first number the, one? <clears throat> that was uh, The Enemy. Yeah. Um, uh, and oh, what was the B side? The Fatima Mansions was, right. uh, was the B side. So yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember the boys covering that, which is great. And then, what's his favorite Christmas song? Christmas song, Last Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, it's really it's really hard for me to decide between Wham's Last Christmas and uh, Chris Rea driving home for Christmas. Love it. Yeah. I think mine, got... mine is um, uh, I Was Born on Christmas Day. Oh, St. Etienne? Yeah. And featuring our mate Tim featuring Burgess. Mr. Burgess. Yeah, I think. That's I think your personal so. favourite, is it? It's one of them. I've got a few. I do like yeah, a Christmas-based song. But um, yeah, that one. I, yeah, it just, because it's so odd, it's really quirky. Um, and yeah, yeah I'm, I'm happy with that, with that choice. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. We've also got uh, some answers. Parry D, or Pazza, as she's known. Um, my good old mate from back in Cardiff. She's put, best Christmas song is either um, Just Like Christmas by the band Low. That mm. is a fantastic song. And it's a great, EP, I don't know, mini album, EP, because there's only five, six tracks on it. But all of those tracks I love. Good choice. Or oh, she's put all the waitresses Christmas wrapping, uh, depending on the mood. Another yeah. another belter. Yeah, absolutely. Another belter. And she's put um, what's Santa's favourite thrash metal band? I don't know. Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, good. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good, but it's not right. No. No, it's good. Um, we've got another um, uh, favourite favorite Christmas gig moment so Danny Coyle who's at Irish Fake Pattern on the Twitter he saw the darkness at the uh, Brixton Academy the year the year they had their Christmas song and they played it for their encore with a choir of kids all in gloves and hats all the drivers smiling cracking moment in time see that could be close to my favorite Christmas song as well just for just towards the end come on kids yes Christmas. It's brilliant. Yeah. It is it is good. It is good. I like it. I like it. Uh Christian Llewellyn. He's put it was the winter of 97 
and a teenage me was trying to get to Newport. Yes, Newport Center to watch the seahorses. Mm -hmm. Due to heavy snowfall, the buses and trains were canceled. So my neighbor, Nigel, took us in his pink 306 GTI, the worst possible car to use in a blizzard. It was terrifying. <laughs> He's put his favorite song is Christmas Vacation by Mavis Staples. That's a great shout. Yeah. And uh, um, his joke, he's put, that's the last time I go jogging in a full Santa costume while listening to Julian Casablancas. I almost had a stroke. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh it squeezed a chuckle out of me. Yeah. Squeezed a chuckle. You got, uh, you got, got one more? Ma yeah, Max, Max Harvey. Um, he's saying best Christmas song is Feliz Navidad. So, Feliz which, Navidad. I, I think I'll know it, but I, I don't Navidad. know the title. What? Um, no. Feliz Navidad. Is that how it goes? Feliz Navidad. As if you can't tell from my amazing interpretation. Followed by his, which is on, on YouTube, which I think, I believe, oh, is called This Is Christmas. Oh, um, let's put a link on it. Yeah, we'll put a link, absolutely. And his, his, um, his joke... Why do priests only listen to Big Spender and Goldfinger? Because they take a vow of celibacy. <laughs> Honestly, oh, that's a stretch. It's, it's a stretch. A, it's it? a stretch, but it's, yeah, I'm, I'm taking it. Yeah. It's a stretch, but it's not bad. So yeah, let, let's have hours then. So favourite uh, favorite Christmas time gig. I don't know if it was favourite, but for me, it's sort of more nostalgia and um. Uh, status quo used to tour every year um, and it would be pretty much same time every year and I went with my mum to the ice rink and it was the first time I'd seen status quo and been with my mum to a, a proper concert the first time um, yeah, Go on. yeah okay yeah, there were more the times first time we've there were all more? done our, we've all done our time watching status quo because well, no one else I, will go with I mom. haven't I haven't how many times have you seen the quo Three, three times. Wow. Yeah, my mum used to go every year. Her and my uncle Aiden. Mom, mom, can we go and see Status Quo again, please? Can we go see the Quo Wanderer? Go on, hey, mom. the Wanderer. I'm going around, around. <laughs> no, around. Alex, I don't that like was, them anymore. That's, that's the choreography. Oh, mom. I did not know there was choreography to that yeah. song, and there was choreography from the whole. And it was just it, it, Eskimos in Egypt. They said they were the band that supported them. Well, there's definitely random. there's definitely random. choreography, especially if you're at a wedding. So the blokes will take their tie and use that as a guitar, and Absolutely. then if, and then obviously standard. If if um, dire straits come on, then you get the tie and put it around your head. Around your head, Mark yeah, Knopfler. Absolutely. of course. I mean, this is proper bloke <laughs> dancing <laughs> ties, tie dancing, <laughs> tie dancing. Yeah, that was there. That was I just yeah. It's just a nice memory. Nice memory of being. At oh, that's good with mum did they uh, have a christmas song was there a song that was associated with christmas and die and um status quo not like i can think of not off the top of my head i'm sort of surprised that they didn't no i'm surprised as well that's daft that because it's a pension isn't it it's a pension yeah absolutely because i mean th there's not going to be that many times that they'll get a lot of money from plays of in the army now no you know what i mean not uh but I mean, it's as random as the power of love by Frankie goes to Hollywood. But yeah, but they I, could have they could have done it. You know, they could have done one of their 
um, existing songs and just changed it in, you know, but, in Santa's Grotto put, now. Put some bells in, some or, yeah, Christmas just bells just put in the some background. Yeah, bells in and you're, you're there. That's, that's cash me, in the bank. For me, when, when Blondie released Maria, Maria, mm. you gotta see her, Christmas mm. bell. I hear that song and I'm like, why did they, why is that being released in the summer? Why yeah, was that not a Christmas song? That's true. Because they use those, the, those chime, bam, bam, bam. And I'm like, is this Christmas? Can, can I just give a quick shout out um, about Christmasifying um, songs to to my Gabe, my, my lad Gabe. Yes, who, your who son, has, yes. He's Christmasified some of the little jingles that we have um, in the middle of the podcast, but he's done it to our our um theme tune for this episode as well so yeah what um, a genius that, that's Gabe. his um that's his doing so well done Thank my little you. elf I, I hope father christmas treats him well yeah absolutely absolutely um i also like listening to more recent christmas songs because we get the same ones all the time mm. um and i like the kelly clarkson one my daughter plays that a lot we're getting a lot of singing this yeah intro. which is awful awful yeah really. but i know what i'm doing here but i like coldplay's christmas lights i think it okay. is absolutely gorgeous i yeah. think it's fabulous 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 i've heard ed sheeran and elton john's newest one uh, it's mm. not not did you hear I, I heard um, the ariana grande one a couple of days ago and oh yes I, oh my god the verse it's just it, it, well it's it's so similar to mariah carey all yes. I want for christmas they've already done mashups of it it's, it's crazy it's blatant i know um, but anyway or, or is it we don't or know. is it we don't we have know no opinion i think there may be some legal jeopardy with that song perhaps we'll never know, <laughs> no. <laughs> We'll never know. <laughs> and and now for my favorite joke, Christopher. Go on. How do you turn a duck into a soul singer? I don't know. How do you turn a duck into a soul singer? Put it in the oven till it's Bill Withers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it may be the greatest Uh-oh. joke of all time. Yeah. Oh, mate. Oh, mate. Put Do- it in the oven till it's Bill Withers. It's genius. It's absolute genius. Should I should I tell you my End one? End the podcast now? Yeah, well, should I tell you my one? Go on. Okay, so I went into the music shop and asked if I could play on their littlest oboe. And the guy behind this, the counter said, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> It's got levels that joke, hasn't it? Oh my it? gosh! I think you might. I think you have you beaten Bill Withers. I think maybe. I think I may have because beaten I've Bill Withers. Because I've never heard that. No. That is a, that's going on my Twitter today, and I'm sending it straight to my siblings. It's. I mean, is it's that, quite niche. I mean, it's. I, if nobody knows what the little is, I have hobo, said well, just Google it. Forever that that is one of the greatest theme tunes ever. Yeah. Ever. There's a voice. Keeps on calling. Oh, it's it's amazing. Uh, I I doff my Christmas hat and take off my mistletoe uh, thingy. Probably for probably for the best, mate. Can I? 
can can I play on your littlest oboe? I mean, the punchline there could could be a variety of things. Yeah, a variety absolutely. of things. Absolutely. Ah, uh, well, that's enough fun. We've had all the fun, and it's time for more fun now. Now, I've been aware of our our guest for a long, long, long time, and he's uh, on Twitter quite a bit, and has always been fabulous. And then, and I believe it's ten years ago now. He started something that, for me, is, is, is possibly the greatest moment, recurring moment on Twitter every year. And it's now an actual tradition. And my wife and I check it on Christmas Eve every single year. Hashtag, do they know it's Christmas? That's right, do they? Today's guest, I'm privileged to say is Rodri Marsden. You may know Rodri uh, as the keyboard player with Scritti Politti. And <laughs> that is a wonderful thing in itself. But Rodri is the man that has brought us Do They Know It's Christmas. And if you don't know what it is, you need to get on Twitter in, in just, if you're listening to this on the 23rd, you've only got to wait till tomorrow. And if you're listening to this after Christmas Eve, scroll back on Rodri's feed. Chris, are you aware of Do They Know It's Christmas? Am I ever? Oh, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know if we should say too much about it, but it's basically just pictures being shared by people who are staying with either their parents or their um, parents-in-law, um, where they're sleeping in maybe an undersized bed, their old bed, um, their old bedroom, sleeping underneath a printer, um, <laughs> sleeping... Being overlooked by scary-looking China dolls that you bought off the back of a Mail on Sunday supplement. Um, it's just hilarious. And it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, I love it. And it's also at times moving, and it's uh, it's it's yeah, you know, raising money for charity now, and uh, so it's wonderful. But also, if you don't know of Rodri's uh, work, he he also does these short, you know, two or three minute. Um, videos that you can find on YouTube, you can find on Twitter as well, where he takes maybe a, a, a section of a, a pop tune, a classic pop tune, and then works out what makes it work and how it works. He's just kind of, he's like, a, he's like a musical engineer where he takes it apart and then puts it back together again. And it's yeah. really entertaining and um, educational and he, he just does it so well so you know He's there brilliant. are several reasons to have Rodri Marsden in your life and um, we've just given you three of them so um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh, absolutely not to mention Dream Themes which is a covers band that he plays in which <laughs> oh, is just yeah. TV theme tunes so th that was part of the reason why I told that joke as well because um, it was leading and see what I did there that was silky that was silky I mean Get this man a radio show. I know, absolutely. So yeah, he he's he's in this covers um, band called Dream Themes, and they do TV theme tunes. And oh, they it's brilliant. Do them justice, and in many cases, their versions are better than the originals. Um, we we need to we need to get them together for a gig. I've been thinking this. We need yeah. to do some kind of charity gig uh, in Manchester. Get them up here. Yeah. Um, but he's he's just brilliant. And just his story on how he ended up playing with Scritti Politti is incredible, is enough just 
to make you smile in this episode. It is yeah. brilliant. And it was a, it's a real pleasure to have him on. And uh, uh, he's so self-deprecating in a, a genuine, humble way. He's such a beautiful man. Get your Christmas hats on. Get your mince pies, your eggnog. What's your Christmas drink of choice, Chris? Um, I, I will have a, a, a blue balls with lemon <laughs> no i'm joking i'm making stuff up yeah <laughs> so with that <laughs> in that pot of pie, i'll have a i'll have a kind of breaker happy christmas listener happy christmas. here's rodri marsden Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Christmas episode of the Gig Stories podcast. And this, I genuinely, genuinely, I'm so excited for this. Today's guest is not only a bloody brilliant musician and writer, but more importantly, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he's the king of Christmas. (laughs) With his now traditional unmissable Christmas Eve Twitter tradition. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? It's Rodri Marsden. Rodri, how are you? Hello. (laughs) It's a very Scrooge-like response there. (laughs) Not to break the illusion, but we are in mid-November. What? I know. Sorry. I've just pulled the curtain back. And... You, that that facial hair, you've even grown a Father Christmas beard, Rodri. Not that you've had it for years and years, but you've grown it just for yes. this Christmas episode. Yes, a nice flowing white beard that I, I have right now. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know what? I genuinely, and this just, it is, it is weird, but I think you should accept it for what it is. Mm. But do they know it's Christmas on Twitter every Christmas Eve is now a family tradition in my house and listeners if you don't know what i'm on about come christmas eve on twitter if you're not already following rodri you will see wonderful pictures of the various places and situations in which people find themselves sleeping on christmas eve and i love it so rodri just for that thank you thank you for bringing a tradition to my family (laughs) you're welcome you're welcome kind of kind of unexpected I, i i kind of um surprised that it's had the legs that it has really it's like te- i think it's something like 10 years now and yeah. actually i have a i, I I'm, I'm probably retweeting the same <laughs> the same pictures from the same bedrooms every year but it, it's no less no less joyful for it i was gonna it, ask how did it how did it come about what was the, what i think was the... i think i uh i think i was bored and lonely on christmas Eve. <laughs> no well i was at my parents i was at my parents house on christmas eve about 10 years ago and I was in a, you know, a, a single bed with a kind of fairly unpleasant floral duvet. And I just took, <laughs> kind of took, a, took a picture of it, you know, with my knees up and saying, yeah, you know, another another Christmas or whatever. And, yeah. uh, you know, and the as, as you know, these things can ha- have a bit of momentum. Yeah. <laughs> so people was, well, it, you know, there were other people in the same situation as me, like just just sat there on their own in a single bed with a with a horrible duvet. Well, that's good and that so, you weren't just kind of you know lounging around in your palatial bedroom and you were just looking at other people you were going through it yourself 
that's <laughs> it's good to know that you were you know you were living it as well oh keeping it real yeah yeah um but yes yeah, so, so yeah and, and so every year now people <laughs> people just send me these people send me these things and it, it's my duty to, to just spend four hours on chris four hours on christmas eve uh yeah. Much to the chagrin of my partner, who's like, "Can't we just have a normal Christmas Eve?" And I'm like, "No, I'm raising money for charity." I mean, exactly. it's 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 very very funny, you know, eye wateringly funny, but also it can be quite moving as well. I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, you'll yeah. you'll get some, you know, pictures of you know this is this is a hospital bed that um, yeah. that that we're in this Christmas. Didn't expect that to happen, kind of. Um, so it can, it can kind of stop you. Um, a little bit as well and it's it's just it's just very real i love it well it has it, yeah it's had the i suppose the, yes the side effect of making people think about uh people who don't have places to go at christmas which is why it's become a a kind of um a way of a way of raising uh money for charities for homeless for the homeless so yes um well do you know what please please tell your partner from me that it is a normal Christmas now. And, you know, I'll stop talking about it because I am waxing lyrical. But honestly, genuinely, in my heart of hearts, it's the best thing on social media. And in my eyes, it's the reason that Twitter was created so that Rodri Marsden could retweet everyone's pictures on Christmas Eve. It's a wonderful thing. And the fact that you raise money for, for charity uh, and for homeless charities uh, doing it is just amazing. So all listeners, please, please check out the... Um, the feed on Christmas Eve, and if you can, please donate. It's just it it, it brings me so much joy. Anyway, I, I was just la- I was laughing at the the uh, the uh, the idea of the best thing on social media. I was thinking the, the bar is not set very high. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen our Twitter account, then, have you? <laughs> Oh, I just love it. I just love it. Anyway, how are you doing, Rodri? I say that knowing that it's not long since you've just uh, come home from touring with with Scritty Politi. Yeah, we. Uh, yes, I came home yesterday after a, a string of dates uh, with Scritty supporting OMD, right. um, and uh, it was uh, it was a joy. It was yeah. a joy. Would, was that the? Were they the first? live gigs back after you know the past no we years. did uh we did um an entire tour back in september where we played the album cupid and psyche 85 in full which for the first time uh, because that had not had not ever been played before because you know when um when scrutability were had their pop success in the mid 80s uh green was not interested in playing gigs at all yeah, so, yeah. I was gutted because I was working that night. Um, you were play, you played at RNCM, didn't you? We did in, Ma- yeah, in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So a bit gutted about that. Are you going to be doing provision as well? Uh, I don't think Green's that keen on that record. <laughs> oh, is he really not? <laughs> no, no. I mean, he 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 has a kind of a, a strange attitude towards his back catalogue. Full stop. But I but I think uh, yeah. Um, I, I, and I, I don't want to, you don't have to comment after this because this just is my opinion. I love, I love him. I don't know him, but I just love him. What a, what a wonderful character from what we know, you know, from music press and interviews and seem like what a wonderful character he is. He's just so unique. I just think it's, it's fantastic. How, how, how did that feel getting back out on the road in September playing live again? Uh, it was um, scary. Was it? It was scary because because 
I mean, you know, that there are, I mean, there are harsh realities of, of touring with things like money, you know? So if one of us came down with COVID on the second date, that's oh. the whole tour. That's the whole tour cancelled. Yeah. All of the all of the money that's been spent on the hotels and on um, tra- transport and uh, rehearsals and all of that kind of stuff all just goes. Isn't it? And you can't claw it back. And it's the same on the OMD tour. You know, st- we had there were really strict protocols in place. We weren't allowed to. Uh, I'm saying not allowed. We were. We would. You know, we all agreed we we would not be meeting friends outside the you know outside the bubble we basically formed a bubble yeah. and, and stayed in it for as uh for the for the 10 days um so it was you know there's a lot of lateral flow tests being taken and a, <laughs> yeah. and a lot and a, and a lot of 15 minute periods of nervousness while you waited for the result because you you knew yeah. that a, a bad result would mean uh, just i would just have been horrible <laughs> but yeah. we got through two oh, that... tours so you know well, did that did that make it because I, I don't know how you are as a performer as in internally and and whether you're nervous or you just enjoy it or whether you just want to get off or want to play forever did did those circumstances mean it felt different so when you actually started walking on the stage to play the gig did it feel different yeah uh yes because because i think we were one of the you know we were in the early wave of 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 tours post you know when things had opened up you know yeah so when you walk on people are just delighted that they're at a gig you know it was uh an extraordinary i mean it was an extraordinary reception full stop and people were delighted to hear that album played but also i think they were just delighted to be out you know yeah that is so that is so good that is so good it's been and and speaking of scritty this is purely just music as opposed to live chat i do you listen to much new music because as i listen over the past few years to new music and new bands. And as I've started going to gigs with my, um, how old is my daughter now? 14, 15, 15. I am hearing Scritty and OMD in so many new bands. That that sound and that 80 synth and things like that is really coming back. Are you are you noticing that? Um, I, I mean, I do get sent <laughs> I do get sent stuff. People say, "Oh, have you heard this?" There's shades of scratchability in it. So yeah, I, I do get yeah. sent things like that. Um, but I mean, I, d- I don't know what what elements, you know, that very kind of precise rhythmic, um, you know, as you know, aspect of scratchability. You, you hear it. You, you hear it everywhere. But that stopped being about scratchability, isn't it? That's just a, that's a function of kind of making music with computers. I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, but I suppose there's also a lot less. I mean, for a while, I think that that super sheen kind of 80s sound had certain negative associations with it. And maybe those have just kind of um, evaporated or fallen away a bit. And it's just, I think maybe um, pre- f- yeah. I was going to say some um, film soundtracks made, I think, start, started it. So the likes of Donnie Darko. Um, you know, introducing a new generation of people to the likes of um, early Tears for Fears, that kind of thing. Um, mm. It feels, feels like that was almost part of a catalyst where there was a, a bit of a, not a, a, a kind of ironic 80s revival, but an actual reassessment yeah, of mm. what some um, 80s music, which maybe didn't get, you know, the, the Kylie or the Wham or the um, Duran Duran levels of success. But, you know, there's a lot of talk about 80s being a bad decade for music. Um, 
Well, people say about the seventies <laughs> as well, I suppose, but it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's ten years worth of culture, isn't it? You can't, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just that. But you uh, the, like the uh, the last uh, the most recent Laura Mavula album is yes, absolutely. It's an incredible piece of work. I mean, it'd be, be yeah. I mean, extraordinary songs, uh, beautifully performed, and uh, she happens to use a few little eighties sounds in there there's a little bit of brass a little bit of kind of um drum machine Definitely. sounds that you recognize and and at the and as a result it gets labeled a kind of an 80s throwback album and i'm just like so that funny. kind of made me really cross across yeah i'm just like can yeah. we not appreciate this for what it is uh, regardless of the fact that she's chosen a certain sound palette you know yeah well One i was last... gonna say because oh, for her that was a reinvention for her yeah. and so the irony that then people were were, were potentially well some people potentially you know throwing it off as oh an 80s she reinvented herself and it's a fantastic sound and i'll be honest it, it, in the past years you have a band as stadium sized as the 1975 mm. and i mean they 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 could be playing back in the 80s and and no one would know and yet they have huge love and respect don't they you know so i hear i hear those those influences uh you know like scritty and omd all over the place sorry chris you carry no on. i was just going to say before we just dive straight into the the meat of the, the podcast i was just going to ask how did green find touring this time because you were saying he really wasn't keen in in kind of mid to late 80s how, well how I mean, <clears throat> yeah i mean he didn't play live for for 25 years i think scritty yeah. did a gig in brighton with gang of four i think it was in 1918 and he had a what he thought was a heart attack uh was actually just a severe panic attack and he ended up in hospital and, and that was that um right and uh yeah i mean <clears throat> i mean it, it, <laughs> i mean the story of of, of scritty politi starting again up uh, starting as a live entity in 2006 is kind of it, <sighs> I mean, it's, it's, in, it's interesting the way he did it, which is, well, I'm to, how do I tell this story? <laughs> I mean, I, so it's January 2006, and, and I heard that he'd done a gig, and I was like a massive Scritchy Blissey fan, like, you know, in the mid-80s, I bought Cupid and Psyche as a, a chubby 13-year-old boy, I just thought they were uh, <laughs> mag magnificent. And anyway, I heard that he'd done a gig under the name Double G and the Traitorous Three at the Windmill in Brixton. And I was absolutely livid with this friend of mine that they didn't tell me about it. I was like, what do you mean you didn't tell me that Green did a gig? And a few days later, I was in a pub uh, in Dalston and, I, and, he, and he was at the bar. And I went up to him and said, uh, I was awfully upset to have missed this gig. And he said, oh, you know, there'll probably be some more, but I need to find a keyboard player because the current one is going away to the USA. You know, no. do, you, do you know anyone? And I'm like, yeah, well, I, I play keys. And he was like, oh, great. OK, give me your email address. I'll email you tomorrow. And it turns out that he basically hired the whole band from that pub. He was just chatting to people <laughs> on and asking if they fancied playing a few songs. So like it was a local plumber on drums and the barmaid on bass. And the reason I say all this is that it, it made for a very strong social unit. Yes. That made him able to get up there because part of his fear was that he would just he, he would be on you know, be on stage with a bunch of crack musicians and would just feel inadequate and nervous, you know, even more nervous. Whereas if he went on stage with a bunch of pals, he would find it a lot easier. So, so yeah, it, it was, <laughs> it was a strong social unit, but it was a baptism of fire because we were, you know, there were some people learning instruments as they went, you know what I mean? And like that, something like our 12th gig was at this stadium in Tokyo with like Daft Punk and the Charlatans. And we were like rabbits in headlights. It was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So no way. Well, yeah. can, can we get on to that? We'll we'll get on to that later on. Yeah. Um, but we'll 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 dive into. So we'd like to take you back in time, basically. All right. And so when you were growing up, what was the household like, music wise? Was there a lot of music in the house? And can you remember when you first became aware of music itself, really? Mm. <laughs> uh, well, I, I grew up in uh, Dunstable in um, in Bedfordshire, which is. Um, it's it's on the junction of two Roman roads, which is still probably the most interesting thing about it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, kind of quiet town. I mean, when I was growing up, the household was kind of musical-ish. I mean, you get people saying, you know, oh yes, I grew up surrounded by music, which kind of conjures up this image of like the whole the whole family forming a brass band and playing a kind of medley of songs from Oklahoma or something. Every <laughs> you know, it wasn't on uh, trap. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like that, uh, we, but we did have a piano in the house. And my dad had a bunch of seven-inch singles from the 1950s, from his childhood, and <clears throat> every Sunday night he'd get them out and we'd listen to like Buddy Holly and the Everly Brothers and what have you. Yes. So that was my kind of first... Um, Who yeah, would play the f- piano in that house? My mum kind of, but not but not really. I think perhaps that piano had been inherited and it, and, and it had just been, you know, it was just in the house, but I, I showed a great interest in it and i had piano lessons yeah with with mrs johnson and then um mrs wesley who your your listeners would all be familiar with i'm sure absolutely yeah um <laughs> and i think yeah there was a time around kind of 11 or 12 where i got really interested in kind of recreating pop tunes on the piano you know finding out how pop music works how all the bits fit together the harmonies and melodies and, and beats and what have you which i'm still that's still <laughs> what i'm interested in you know yeah uh i mean what was the can you remember the first song that you played on the piano as a performance to someone so hey mum or dad or whoever listen to this remember what the first song was well no i mean not really i i I mean it's a function of the kind of uh you know doing doing piano lessons that you inevitably get entered into little competitions and stuff so i remember like music little music festivals so i remember as a Mm. nine-year-old Boy, I won the yeah, I won the under tens class at the Watford Music Festival playing a, <laughs> playing a piece called Silver Trumpets on the piano. Uh, you know the name? Can you remember yeah. how it goes? Yeah, I'd, yeah. Yes. I could go on, but uh, yeah, it started like that. Now I think we get get the, we get the picture. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. But we were the same in my house. We had a piano and no one was totally competent at it, which yeah, made yeah. me smile. And to this day, in fact, I, I, I kid you not, I had a message from my young nephew uh, and it was him playing piece on the piano. And essentially he was trolling me because his mum, my sister, she learned. Can you both remember Hill Street Blues? Sure. Bam, bam, bam. Um, yeah. And Helen would play that, but she could only play the first so many bars. Oh, yeah. I mean, stop. it gets difficult. It gets she difficult would, uh, after about eight No, bars, don't so. tell her that. She'll be listening <laughs> and she'll be like, yeah, see, I told you. And she would stop at the same place. And it's been a lifelong joke. Dun, 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 dun. And then she would stop. And we were like, yeah. oh, that's it. And she never learned past that. So, yes. That's I'm, fair I'm, enough. That's fair enough. I think, we, you know. As you probably know, I'm in a TV theme tribute band, and uh, oh, yes. yes, yeah, the the kind of uh, the, the best bit of a TV theme tune is the beginning, anyway. You know, you, you know, 
Yeah. Who, care, who cares about it after the after the first 20 seconds? <laughs> no, we're, we're going to come back to that because we, right. we've got that down. I'm very excited about that. So when did your lessons turn into something perhaps more serious? Because I don't know your full background. Did you well, play I, professionally as a youngster keyboard or? I did like all my grades and stuff on like piano yeah. and bassoon was my instrument. So I played in orchestras and that. For bassoon oh, was your instrument. Bassoon, yeah. Wow. Bassoon yeah. player. Not much, Love not much bassoon. call for it. It's not, it's not, it's not really a rock posturing instrument. The bassoon. <laughs> you can look pretty <laughs> rock and roll with it though, can you? Kind of. <laughs> well, the, there is a band. I photographed a band at um, Ramsbottom Festival. It's now called Head for the Hills Festival mm-hmm. in Ramsbottom. Um, and um, there was a band called the Moulettes. I don't know. If oh yeah, yeah, no, Moulettes. I know. Yes. Yeah, and they they use a, a bassoon, um, and they were fantastic. Really, really enjoyed them. There, there, there is a, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a few bassoons sprinkled in rock and pop. You know, Henry Cow had a bassoon player. You know, blah blah blah. Yeah, but, I got um, you, babe, wasn't it? Or is that a noble? Oh, oh God, now you've got me. Well, no. Um, what's the? Uh... <laughs> What's that? Oh no! Oh, um, tears of a clown. Tears of a clown. There's a bassoon on that. Yeah. But has I got you, babe? Has that got? <laughs> oh god, this is awful. I'm, I'm apologising to the please. listeners here. Send an in a postcard. Of... Answers on postcard, please. <laughs> an hour of men going ba ba ba. Yeah, impersonating yeah. bassoons. But Welsh, yeah, it's uh, not good for a Welshman. So when when did you yeah when did it become perhaps a decision that you thought oh I I want to do this maybe as a living or a job or I don't think I ever thought that I don't think I no. ever thought that I'd be a performer I wasn't quite good enough to be you know to go to like a, a music college and be a and be a performer but I did and also it was I was kind of waylaid by guitars I think I think when I was about 14 the, like the, the music teacher at school like our O-level music class were like she said right we're all going to learn some chords on guitar and like thank god she did you know it was like a kind of pivotal moment because it just meant I I was now <laughs> I could now play play the guitar and so uh I being in bands then just became the like forming a band and playing and playing music with pals was became the thing you know First band I was in was called Spam Sixty Nine, and we played post-punk cover versions. We, did, we never did. We, we never did a gig. There wasn't really anywhere to play. Gigs. Spam Sixty Nine. Yeah, that. I mean, and the fact that you've gone from Spam Sixty Nine to mm. Dream Themes. Yeah, is, it's not far. Is, it's no, that's <laughs> so funny to me. me. That is via Scritty Politi. That is yeah. absolutely. Uh, that is brilliant. Do you remember the first? And I'll let you interpret this as you want. The, the first gig you played. Uh, first gig I played. Mm. What would you class was, as your, your first gig? Well, uh, as a, uh, yes, I, was, I'd, I'd, I'd had, I did something about the first gigs I kind of went to. The first gig I actually played was, I think, I joined a band called the Keatons when I was about, Keatons when I was about 18. And, and I remember... Uh, I remember going, they invited me to do like one song at one gig and I got on stage and, <laughs> and you know, to do my one song that they'd agreed I could do. And I just remember <laughs> thinking, oh, this is absolutely fantastic. 
It's absolutely fantastic. It turns out my, my guitar had been was turned down. I couldn't couldn't tell. I couldn't tell because it was so loud in the venue. I was so unused to it. it turned out my guitar was had been turned down throughout. Didn't realise until afterwards. No, but uh, there you go. But there you go. But that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that was my yes. The lady that would have been the Lady Owen Arms in Islington near Angel Tube. Don't go looking for it. It's not there anymore. No, oh, what a right. surprise! Is it flats now? I imagine. Probably, yeah. Yeah, that is brilliant. So, what then? was your first gig as a punter. Punter? And, yeah, and again, we we allow personal interpretation on this. And as we say often, Chris and I were, were lucky that our parents would take us to classical concerts and stuff as we were little. Um, yeah. But then we, we sort of, you know, my first big gig was Michael Jackson and yeah. Chris's was not, his was very cool. <laughs> uh well i yeah i went to lots of orchestral concerts because i was d- kind of doing them mm. but um but yeah. I, yes but in terms of kind of a, a, a pop music concert or that i i never went to a big show um <clears throat> and dunstable was kind of a bit of a cultural wasteland like you thought well no bands ever come here yeah. Of course, I've since discovered that some of the kind of brightest and best soul groups of the 70s were played at the California Ballroom in Dunstable, but I was only seven or eight then. So no they, way, they really? Like, they wouldn't have let me in. Yeah, you look at the list. It's incredible. But the uh, but yeah, so. Um, so would wait. you have had to have would you have been going into town, into London? For gigs then was that would no that I, I just your... didn't I just didn't go to gigs at, at all and uh, uh, because yeah they just, I remember almost going to see Zig Zig Sputnik at Dunstable <laughs> at, at Dunstable Queensway Hall I like quite wanting to go and then like the week before um there was this incident which was widely reported in the kind of tabloid press that the drummer of Zig Zig Sputnik had thrown a bottle into the crowd in Reading or somewhere and someone got injured. Yeah. And as a result, you know, it was there was a there's this kind of atmosphere atmosphere of slight fear around their gigs, like it would all it would all kick off. So I, yeah. I thought they were thought, kind no, of manufactured as a kind of bad boy band. Um, I do I do remember that. So that was kind of around about what eighty four something like that. Yeah, yeah, eighty five. Yeah, eighty five. I think yeah, something yeah. like that. But uh, but yeah, the the whole. I just started listening to John Peel. That was that was the thing. It was that yeah, I was yeah. just I just started becoming aware of all of these kind of tiny bands, um, yeah. and yeah. So, so my fir- my first gig was uh, the the Dog Faced Hermans plus Bastard Kestrel at <laughs> a club called Winkles in Bedford. Uh, whoa, 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 hang on there. I'm yeah. I'm not sure if we're speaking to Roger E. Marsden now or <laughs> if Bob Mortimer has jumped has jumped on. No, can, no. Can you, can you just go back and repeat that, please? Yeah, Dogface Hermans were headlining, uh, and then Bastard Kestrel was supporting. So Bastard <laughs> Kestrel were the first band I ever saw, um, and and uh, my dad took me there in, in the car. So like, my dad's a, a kind of four, quite a very tall man. He's like six foot seven, and tall, quite an imposing figure, quite a scary guy uh, <laughs> from from appearance. Um, and he he stood at the back, you know, with his arms folded, with a look of kind of bemusement on his face, and like Bastard Kestrel come on, it's like. <laughs> Bastard Kestrel were like, you know, they weren't kind of, they were kind of a bit napalm deathy in a kind of a, right. you know, kind of thrashy guitars and a lot of shouting. Um, <laughs> Alex and, has absolutely lost it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of them said, hey, I've got a great idea. I've got this name. Don't you worry. Bastard Kestrel. Bastard. Yes. 
Yes, love that. Uh, it's funny that you... there's a story that uh, that uh, I think. Uh, famously simon simon you know the um radio and djs would do trailers for each other's shows you know lots of the daytime dj would trailer yes. john peel's show and simon bates famously refused to say the word bastard castery in his <laughs> session later tonight and john peel not saying, not saying that what what year would that have been 87 87 i think yeah. so and, and, they were already, and they were already sort of napalm deathy that's quite that would have been quite a it was right yeah it was in the yeah in the early days of that kind of british thrash kind of thing but dogface turbans yeah. were a bit of a they were from edinburgh and they were um they were just a bit more um a female they had a female singer who played trumpet and uh, it was i mean it was kind of angular guitars and uh, and quite you know short songs and that's the kind of thing i was really into at that yeah. time and um but i think the the thing that really had the the most impact on me around that time was just the whole DIY aspect of, of, of that. Like evidently, yeah. you know, in 1976, bands were kind of awakened to the fact that you can make your own records. You didn't yeah, need to absolutely. get signed. And that was critical to the whole punk thing. But mm. it, the point where you realise that it's still a massive moment whenever it happens to come along. So suddenly I'd be buying records mail order after hearing them on John Peel from the bands and I'd write to them and they'd write back. You know what? This was this was amazing to me. You felt that you'd like stumbled into this secret world, and you immediately yeah. felt very involved with it. And that obviously extended to the gigs as well. You know, I quickly realised that these little gigs that that were attended by you know a hundred people max, usually fewer than fifty, you know, were really about community. You know, those fifty people really wanted to be there, or at least most of them did. You know, and they shared that perspective <laughs> they shared that perspective on music. And I, and and it's those gigs, even now, it's tiny gigs in pub back rooms that are still my favourite things. You know, you cram in with a makeshift vocal PA and you just have yeah. this kind of shared experience around loud amplified music. Mm. Do you do you still feel do you still feel you can get that? I don't know uh, I don't know if you do now but do you ever go to arena gigs at all or sort of slightly larger venues do you still feel you have that because both chris and i have been obsessive gig goers through our lives and uh, and there is something about a small venue in fact chris and i were lucky enough the charlatans uh, played on monday night here in manchester an nhs gig and it was mm. a gorilla and it was it was tiny like yeah we'll never see the charlatans play uh, yeah. a venue of that size and it was having seen the charlatans many many times it was one of the best gigs i've ever seen them play ever there, there was just something about it but i still when i'm stood in the pyramid stage in glastonbury i still feel it's different but i still feel in many ways that sense of community is that something you you still feel or do you just like that well, smaller I, I, i've never really been a a a, a a goer to <laughs> how do you say, how do you say? Yeah. i've never really gone to big gigs uh, like yeah. much at all i think the last big kind of stadium-ish gig i went to was steely dan um at wembley um maybe three years ago and um me and my friend tommy went and we uh, uh yeah i became more distracted by arguments that were going on around me between <laughs> between couples and also between strangers about like what somebody was clapping along you know and the and you know someone says stop clapping you know it's kind of and it, it was kind of louder than steely dan were and I, and, and, yeah i found that a bit um, were they clapping on the one and were they clapping on the one and the three? Oh yeah 
Oh, no, it was a Steely Dan gig. They were clapping on two and a half, the two and a half, you know. <laughs> 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 I love so have you ever, and this is where Chris and I like to get our geek on, just in case you are like-minded. I'm yeah. assuming then, well, no, I'm not going to assume anything. Have you ever been a collector of things then? So did you ever keep ticket stubs or laminates or merchandise? Is that it, it from, you know... Do you have any sort of physical record of your yeah, I, I going do have, life? I don't think I don't think it's in this room, but yeah, I do have the, the Dogface Herman's Bastard Kettle poster, which is oh, what? Wonderful. Yeah, you still got that poster? Yeah, yeah, I grabbed it and I've still got it. I've got it framed. Uh, so yeah, oh, I've still got no that. Way. You must send yeah. us a photo of that, and we can pop it on our website. I'd love to see that. Yeah, right. absolutely. Re- remind me what the venue was called. It was called Winkles. <laughs> Winkles. Every part of this gig, I absolutely <laughs> love. Every part That's, of it. Yeah. I need to see the poster to make sure that it's real and you're not lying to me. Because oh, right yeah, now, I'm trusting oh. you, Rodri. There's oh, a real oh, spine. There's a spinal tapness to it all. I think it, just the the names and the combinations of words together. Let's face, the, let's face it. There's a spinal tapness to everything. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. That is yeah. true. So you t- you told us. You told us about um, Scritty and how that started, and that that just amazes me. I love that you were a fan and that you just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, yep. incredible kind of serendipity. It's, you know, I'm still amazed by it, really. Hmm. But you also play for another band, and I know Chris is champing at the bit to ask you about it. In fact, we both we both love it. And I'm, I, I've been trying so hard to come and see you, but you don't play enough. And I moved, <laughs> a, I moved away. So can you please organise a tour of Manchester uh, so yeah. that both Chris and I can experience dream themes? Uh, sure. <laughs> yes, uh, it's, it's honestly. It's quite, it's quite hard to, yeah. Yeah, dream themes. Uh, yeah, how, we, we, how, where, why, what, when? So the story, the story of dream themes is that... Um, we, uh, the bass player of Dream Themes, put on would put on gigs in London at the Buffalo Bar, which is the, no longer there either. Um, oh, just a, a lovely little venue near Highbury and Islington Station. <clears throat> and he would uh, he was a big fan of Frank Sidebottom, and he would put Frank Sidebottom on uh, whenever Frank came to play in London. Oh, and brilliant! One, and for one gig, uh, Paul said to Paul, the bass player, said to him, uh, "Do you want to?" I could put a band together to play with you. And Chris, uh, Chris CV, who is Frank Sidebottom or was Frank Sidebottom, uh, said, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so me and Dickie from Scritty Politi and uh, Dickie's friend, uh, Rob and Paul, we became like Frank's backing band whenever he played in London. And whenever Frank would do the raffle, because <laughs> of course there's a raffle, yeah, exactly. Uh, at, at his show, uh, we would play the theme to Terry and June. Yeah, and uh, or, or whatever, and uh, and then uh, yeah, and then and then Paul said, well, "Why don't we just make a band that just does just does this?" And so uh, yeah, so that's that's what happened, and um, and it, it it ended up yeah gathering a head of steam really. I mean, we we played kind of festivals and um, we appeared on ITV. We were on the Paul O'Grady show. Oh. <laughs> incredibly doing a we did a whole segment with paul o'grady and a, and a celebrity 
it was like a quiz show, like guess the theme tune. And there was, there was, uh, Les Dennis was there. Gail from Coronation Street was there. It was amazing. <laughs> that is so funny. I, I'm going to come back, but I can't, I can't just skip over mm. Frank Sidebottom. And, and I don't know, but down the road, but down the road here, we, um, we have the great statue. Yeah, side bottom. I don't know if you've you've been up to it and well, Paul Paul was instrumental in helping raise funds for that to be to be made. Yeah, I have not been, um, but uh, but yes, it's, right it's there a we are. Thing. We we are going to get dream themes. We're going to get you a gig in Manchester, and we're going to get you a photo with the the, the Frank statue. How how was it working with Chris? Because he just what what an interesting character. It was amazing. It, it was. Uh... The most amazing thing about it was just the kind of the sense of liberty that it afforded you as a musician, because, of course, he doesn't rehearse. There's no rehearsal. You just kind of, you know, I mean, you've got to be vaguely familiar with the songs or whatever. But, you know, he would absolutely pour scorn on any kind of preparation. And for someone like me, who's who's a very anxious, very anxious by nature. I mean, I'm, I'm all right with going on stage, but I worry about, you know, things going wrong. Yeah. I'm kind of. What do you mean? We're not going to go through it. What do you mean? And he was like, he was like, don't worry, don't just don't worry about it. And so you you're, you kind worry. of put you kind of put yourself in his hands. And then you when you're on stage and you're you're playing these kind of mad songs with him, you realise that it doesn't it re, it genuinely didn't matter because he was such a he was so good at what he did. Yeah. That it could all fall apart, and and that would be as good as if it had all gone well. Yeah. And. and, and <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 was it, it going did, well? <laughs> it honestly did not matter, and so you, it, it was just—it was just liberating. It was just like we—it doesn't matter. Then there's <laughs> a real, there's a real innate performance instinct there that Chris had. That that kind of knowledge of what what works and what doesn't, and you can't teach that. It's no. just something. And he, you know, he was so such a maverick. Um, but yeah, which isn't I, to say that which isn't to say he couldn't do absolutely stinking gigs. I mean, no, no. you know, I, I saw him, I saw him go down terribly, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh yeah. But but you know, but he didn't care about that either, you know. I mean, well, that's yes, the audience's yeah, he, fault. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. That's not his fault. That's the audience. No. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. What, what is it that you? Because you've had you've had so many live experiences, as in. You know dream themes and and we skipped over that but listen if you don't know dream themes basically they 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 play tv theme tunes which i love because well, what, i genuinely can dance to some of those like grandstand yes I well, what i love about tv themes is the fact that generally you've the the composers have had 30 seconds 45 seconds maybe a minute but basically they need to get the musical idea in there and like you were saying before they need to get the they need to grab people by the lapels right at the start as well um but also what i find fascinating about dream themes is that tv themes become they kind of wash over you you hear you don't really listen to the theme tune it kind of washes over and you you recognize it but it if you actually listen to I'll give an example. So Grange Hill, I used to play in a band. I'm a sax player. And we did the theme from Grange Hill as part of our set. And as part yes. of that, I started listening to it, like properly listening to it. 
and that theme tune is so incredible and what the loads of bits that are incredible one of which is that it's got the most incredible guairo playing in it yeah, it's it got does, this yeah. and it continues all the way through and you've got this percussionist who must be you know his hand must be a blur just um but you get those details when you actually listen but um I mean, did you find that when you were deciding which which themes to 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 bring into the set that you were finding new new things to to these themes that you hadn't heard before? Yeah, completely. I mean, it was it was my job to kind of uh, arrange them, you know, to take these themes and arrange them for to be playable oh. for a four four piece band, you know. So I was, <laughs> you know, I was I was diving deep into this shit, you know. It was um, yeah. really, uh, you know, and you, and you listen to. You listen to that stuff and it it's incredible composers writing incredible music for a crack, a crack team of musicians. Do you know, a lot of this stuff yeah. is, is like like the grandstand theme, all of the, you know, KPM stuff. It's yeah, it's 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 an extraordinary body of work that is not really it's it's always associated with a tele program rather than being, you know, appreciated in its own right. And yeah. uh and so when you when you form a band and then you're 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 playing this stuff like you know <laughs> through a really loud PA suddenly you're hearing the Bergerac theme tune like deafening uh, yeah. noise it's like people people just go mental they're just like extraordinary um, yeah. yeah so I mean it was a great it, it's you know it was a good idea <laughs> for a band I think it's kind of uh, I think we kind of think it's run its course in that you know you uh, over ten years of doing it you end up working out basically what the best set is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, 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 you know, the 30, cause you know, we play for an hour. It's like 30 songs, you know, you, you basically <laughs> know, you know, you, you know what the best ones are, you know, what's going to get the best reaction. So you just do that. And then, you know, after playing the same 30 TV things again and again and again, <laughs> yeah. it, it slightly loses its luster, but I, I'm, we still, we still love it. I mean, yeah. the, the, the other, the other thing about dream themes is that you end up getting booked for function gigs and, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I've never really done before, uh, and it, you know we've done some sh shocking, some shocking function gigs. Like, because you know, okay, you know, so the word gets out that this band plays this hour-long set of TV things, thirty TV things, and it's and people think, wow, that's what a great idea. And yeah. but then you get like booked for a wedding, and like only there'll only be ten percent of people max, including the bride and groom, hopefully, who understand why you're there. Yeah. You know the rest. Oh. The rest of them are just like, "What is what? this? <laughs> what have you done?" You know, we did. We did a. We did a wedding on like a Friday in, uh, in January in uh, Warwick <laughs> Castle, and it was a. It was a dark, kind of rainy day. We went in. You know, and you set up, and you just knew it was. It, we, we shouldn't have been there. We just shouldn't. Have, I mean, I mean I, the chances of the bride and groom hearing this are very minimal. But you know, I it, it, it was. Uh, you know, it was. It was difficult and people were just looking at us like what what are you doing and this guy this guy came up to Paul our bass player and put this note on his bass amp and uh, he'd just written in quite shaky angry handwriting it's kind of written the word disco disco <laughs> that and is he's, brilliant he's hissing at Paul saying disco and we're like we're like playing you know the a team or something you know <laughs> disco. The and I went up, I, I, I saw the guy, and he looked really cross. And afterwards, I thought, I've got to make this okay. I, kind of, I found, I sought him out, and I went up to him. I said, Hi, hi. I saw you, I saw you <laughs> wanting us to play disco music. I just wanted to explain, you know, we only play television themes. And he had this look on his face like, Oh, 
Oh, <laughs> it's like a moment of realization. I was just like, what would you do? I don't know. That anyway, what I'm, what I'm trying to convey is that, you know, putting putting this band into these unfamiliar situations can create some some strange, uh, strange moments. Be, before I move on from that, then putting you on the spot, top three TV theme songs that the, the, the best three that would go down at, at your gigs, which are the best three? Oh, uh, well, Ski Sunday. We'd, we'd always we'd yeah. always end with Ski Sunday. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah, gra- yeah. Grandstand and the aforementioned Grange Hill. Those those are the kind of the three, the big the big three. The whole there's lot, But there's a lot under the, There's a lot of good stuff under the radar, like the Good Life. Yeah. Yes. Good, good Life's pretty good. I think I might <laughs> on each on each of our um, podcast episode pages we have a, a Spotify playlist and. I might ask you for some suggestions after once we've once we've recorded this pod. Oh, some brilliant. suggestions. I've got a whole load of um, of TV themes because I'm a real geek about it as well. I mean, I love um, one of my favourites is the Detectives, the the show within the two Ronnies. Yeah. Um, the, yes. Only <laughs> yes. because of the the drumming, um, and I need to find out. There's a there's a, a YouTube clip of this incredible drummer who drums along to theme tunes and he, right. drum, he drums along to the detectives. And I think he, um, um, is it a $6 million man? He does as well. Oh, um, brilliant. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, we could get a, a TV themes playlist together as well. It'll be a special Christmas present from the podcast and Rodri, I think. Good idea. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's time the now very famous, infamous quickfire round. Right? Oh, yeah. blimey. I know. So, it's very um, tough. So, gird up your loins. Yeah, get those loins girded. Um, Favourite live musician or vocalist? Oh, man. You, you didn't tell me there was going to be something no, quick no. fire. No, no. I mean, it, we, there's editing. We can edit this. We can I, make I'll it be honest, Rodri, it's, it's never quickfire. Don't worry. No, no. I can only think of I can only think of people who I regret never having been able to see. Perfect. Which isn't really, which isn't really the question you asked. Um, That's fine. But, but yeah, uh, Captain Beefheart. Captain, Captain Beefheart. Oh, yeah, would be would be the one. Um, with 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 Paddy Macaloon or Prefab Sprout a close second. Oh yes, oh, Belter. Ah, oh, Prefab Sprout. Yeah, I like course, that. Yeah, yeah. What What about vocalist? Who's your favourite vocalist that you've seen live? Not that you'd like to, that you've actually witnessed live. I'll tell you what, one that, one, that, uh, a band that I went to see who, uh, where, where I literally could not believe the, uh, the noise that the, that the main guy was making, and that's the Dirty Projectors. <clears throat> I don't know if you're familiar with the Dirty Projectors from New, from New York, but um, I went to see them play like a small gig in Dalston, perhaps 10 years ago. And, um, and this kind of skinny, unassuming white guy, <clears throat> American guy, playing guitar that like the wrong way up, uh, and playing this kind of extraordinary, kind of uh, very bitty, unusual music. But his voice had this. He, he obviously took a lot of inspiration from American R and B, so he, all those kind of melismatic, kind of little uh, oh, right. uh, tunes to his voice. And I, I, 
I remember <laughs> it's the, that's that's the thing that just flooded into my head was that and I remember looking at thinking where have you come from you know where have you come yes. from how how have you ended up making this noise it's kind of yeah, incredible incredible thing I I love that though I love that because it's it it's it's a moment where you're like whoa I didn't expect that or how is that happening and it doesn't you know it doesn't have to be Aretha Franklin or Prince or whatever, or Tom York, whatever. It could just be, as you say, that what is that noise and how is that person doing that? Because that often hits you, affects you more than, you know, someone that we would all deem a wonderful singer. Well, what, what, what's interesting, well, and I'm just thinking about it now, is why did I find that question hard to answer? And I think it's because, you know, you kind of, it's kind of like um, it becomes all about the front person. And mm, I don't, yes. I, do you know what I mean? And I don't really think of, music like that do you know what I mean I don't yeah. really I mean obviously if you're going to see a solo artist then it is all it is all about them but I think I'm I, I think I just pay more attention to the overall thing or I'm thinking about the music that they're playing rather than the yeah. performance do you know what I mean yeah yeah uh, yeah absolutely do you have a favorite venue favorite venue um and that can be as a punter or a performer or both I mean I I kind of I, I mean, I understand that the kind of the best venue in any normal sense of the word are the kind of the ones where, you know, the sound and the acoustics are really good, where the facilities are great and, you know, where you feel yeah. safe and so on. But I like the, But the best venues in my memory are just the most unusual ones where kind of gigs happen in improbable places for improbable reasons, you know? Yes. Mm. I, re I remember I remember the Keatons playing in a, like a small hut off halfway up a Welsh mountain to about like 30 people who were kind of off their tits on magic mushrooms. You know, and it sounded amazing, <laughs> this tiny hut. And it what? felt like just extraordinary because it's so weird. You feel like you're, again, you're you're part of of, of something really weird that's that's happening. It feels like mm. very important life data for some, for some reason, you know? Yeah. Like Green, Green and I once played like uh, Squitty Blitty songs in a dentist's waiting room in Notting Hill to like a small select audience of about you know twenty people. And and, and while what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest for a moment that this place should be on the regular gig circuit, but, but it was a, <laughs> it was a, it was a fantastic thing to do, and it was just fantastic for everyone who was in the room, you know. Yeah. Well, we we had um, a guest on. That's I don't incredible. know if you know the jazz saxophonist Tommy Smith. Um, mm -hmm. He was on um, a, a few months ago. And he was talking about the refreshing way that um, Scandinavians treat musicians and bands. And um, he was talking about the fact that they, him and a, a, a quartet, it was, he was playing with a quartet, I think, might have been a trio. But they, they were booked for a gig in the Arctic Circle, essentially. And it was for about 30 people. But, and they paid, the, the audience members paid through the nose for it, but they were willing to because they knew that it was going to be something absolutely special. Mm. Um, and it wasn't just about cramming people in and making as much money as possible. That approach to music was about the experience and I suppose, you know, the hygge, as, as the Danish would put it, you know, that feeling of warmth yeah. and, um, you yeah. know, real enjoyment. So, um, yeah, there's something to be said for, you know, a, a really interesting small place with with a few people and that's that's it. No recordings or that kind of thing. You've reminded me of again, like you triggered my my failing memory, but uh, I've done <laughs> I've done um, I've done two little festivals in a 
uh, a place called Vadso, which is right on the northern coast of Norway, so a good 500k above the Arctic Circle, like the, one of the most remote places I, I've, I've ever been. Oh, uh, wow. A friend, uh, and a friend of mine... <clears throat> um arranged she was she became an artist in residence up there and she said oh can i bring a few musicians up to do a, to do a little you know a little show and they were like well a bit weird but if you will if you like and she uh but she's quite well connected so we had like peter buck from rem and mike mills of rem there wow. and uh, what? you know yeah yeah and john paul jones from led zeppelin and me you know <laughs> what and i know and uh, and there was about 15 of us and we just kind of went up there and we worked out you know a set of songs that we would play and you know and people were coming 400 miles to drive to this you know from across finmark that county to come to this uh event that felt very very special that was, that was a very odd thing to happen in a, a very remote place i've got the poster here hang on what no now we're talking this is what we like well like, the thing is it's it's a podcast so but yes uh peter no, buck no. Show us, please, please feel free to show us the poster All right, because we will second. then put a link. This is brilliant. So he's taking his headphones out and he's going to get the poster. Oh, he's literally got it to hand. He's got it to hand and we're going to see this. The question I need to ask him next is, were they all watching or were they playing ears back in. with Rodri? So, okay, he's putting his ears back in. There we go. November Here is the poster. There you go. Ice Station, Station Badso. Kurt wow. Block, Peter Buck, Josh, Terry Edwards, famously of uh, PJ Harvey's band and many yep. others. Tim Keegan, John Paul Jones, Rodri Marsden. Yes! Scott McCocky, Mike Mills, R.E.M., Lucy Parnell. It was, uh, and we've done it, we did it a couple of years later. So that, so that was in a, that was in, um, you know, 24 hours of darkness time. Yeah. In that, right. in that part of the world. And then we did another one about 18 months later, which was in 24 hours of in June, we did it in summertime. Yeah. And um, and we're doing another one in March. So, yeah. As oh, in four amazing. months next March? In March 2022, we're going back oh. up to do the last one so called uh, called Snow Station, Vadso. I think it's going to be called. Amazing. And so, because yeah. those, those, my question was going to be, were those other people watching you play? Or yeah. were you all playing together as a band, individually? Because on that we person's kind of... got... What happened? Yeah, we just swapped in and out. We formed little groups. We did little cover versions of this and that. We some REM songs were played. Um, did yeah. you play one of the REM songs? Uh, I, yeah, the thing is, I don't know enough about REM to remember which what the song was. But yes, <laughs> no! I did play. I, no! I know, I know, I know. It's terrible. I, I did play keyboards on an REM song. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've played uh, with R.E.M. Played a song of theirs. Yep, I, I no idea. Fun. <laughs> Not a clue. I, I think I think I did well to get kind of forty minutes into this podcast without name doing that name drop. That was good. Okay. That was really good, we, actually. In 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 the probable short amount of time we have left, you start dropping those names, Roger, because that is, an, I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, John Paul Jones as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, this is the quick fire round. We're gonna. (laughs) Um, Not quick. No, exactly, exactly. Hang on, I want to know now who's playing with you in March and how Chris and I are going to get over there. Oh yeah. yeah I, I, to be honest, I don't know. They're announcing. I, I, well, I know they're announcing one person each day on 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 the on the account. And I saw Peter Buck was the first, and I was the second. So at the moment, it's just me and Peter Buck, which would make a very, very odd <laughs> duo. But uh, yeah. Oh my gosh! Right then. Oh, oh that is incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. I love that. 
Um, what's what's been your favorite gig as a punter? Favorite gig? Yeah. Um, I, mean, I I don't know about how other people answer this, but I I think for fairly obvious reasons it gets harder to impress me as I get older. You know what I mean? Whereas when you're 17, mm. literally everything is amazing. Yeah. And, yeah, the, yeah. and the best band you ever seen was the last band you saw. You know. Ex- yeah. Exactly. And there and there, there were I mean there were a couple of bands I saw in my late teens that that completely kind of exploded my mind and one of them was one of them was the x who were from amsterdam who've been going since like the late 70s and they're still going today yeah yeah it's just absolute extraordinary kind of powerhouse of kind of rhythm no no cliches and they built this incredibly kind of uh strident sound from pretty minimal resources you know drums bass and a guitar with a couple of broken strings you know lots of shouting about vegetarianism and sexism and abuse of power and they just i don't know they just seem to be like the coolest wisest people on earth you know yeah and they seem to be having a really kind of good time doing it and it was just just incredible i mean i, I still i still i still think about you know that the first time i saw them today and think what what a thing that was and i think a lot of musicians who saw them in in my in that very small world that i inhabited then you know, uh, everyone was hugely affected by them. Um, oh, so, yeah. So that, I think that's, that's so I, important, isn't it? I think that's so important in life. And, uh, and, and I'm waiting, I'm waiting for that to happen to my daughter who I mentioned, and she's 15 and I've already, in fairness to me, I've already taken her to some good gigs and she spent most of her, her life going to Glastonbury each year. Cause I, uh, I take part in Glastonbury. But I know that there's going to be some time around now, although she always she wax lyrical uh, about certain bands now. But like you said, her last gig is her best gig. I, mm. I am looking out for the band that is going to do that to my daughter. And mm. yes, regular listeners, Alex is about to mention the Manic Street Preachers. And that is exactly what it was. The first time I heard them and then saw them live. Mm. What are the, who are these? What is this? <laughs> what uh, blouses, skinny white jeans? When it all around <laughs> is 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 Manchester, Madchester bands, and the Manics come and do this punk rock, and I'm like, you know, well, Richie's guitarist not even plugged in. What's going on here? It blew my mind, and I think it's so important that um, for us music fans, anyway, that people have those those experiences, and I love that you still remember that feeling of yeah death. vividly yes yes and and i know it, it is i know what you mean it is harder as you grow older and i don't know if i'll ever have that sort of same experience again, yeah but i mean green i mean green talks about it when, when, when scritchy policy are interviewed and, and green talks about always refers to the first time he saw the sex pistols the damned the clash and the heartbreakers all on the same bill at, at a at a, a, a leeds university or wherever it was yeah you know and how his life was never the same after that day you know and uh, you know and of course when when one is able to say i saw the clash the damned and the pistols all on the, all on the same night in leeds in 1970 whatever 76 you you can understand how that uh, you know the the huge impact of that but it's yeah. the same. It's the same for us all in smaller ways, you know. It's like the, the, for me, it was the X, you know. But um, yeah. yeah, it's funny you should mention that. Our very first, our very first podcast guest was Clint Boom, right? And and Clint, he apart from uh, who who was the last band you said was on that bill that Green had mentioned? The Heartbreakers. 
Abex. I don't think they were on the bill, but yeah, no, Clint they were. Saw... They were. It oh, was, they were. It was exactly oh, the same must bill. Have been the same tour. Yeah. Clint saw that tour up here, up north in Manchester, and he said wow. that was it. Bang. Yeah. He saw that, and in fact, he he took something from that gig, didn't he? Something random. Yeah, he, he ripped a bit. No, yeah, he ripped a bit of leatherette from a bar stool just because he he could say, right, this was from that gig. <laughs> it wasn't a poster. It wasn't. No. It, it wasn't a set list. It was a a bit of leatherette from a bar stool. Um, well you've talked about um favorite gig best gig um what about worst gig and that can be (laughs) as that can be a punter or as a musician i mean as a musician is there anything that has happened where the world has just come crumbling down as a as a performer as a performer yeah yeah. i remember the, the uh yeah the keatons did a gig at north london poly uh in 19 yeah 1990 where our guitar is this kind of a sad story really but our guitarist was literally having a nervous breakdown kind of before during and after the gig i mean he he, he oh, was no. he was sectioned shortly afterwards but we didn't really oh, know what was going on when he turned up and he was behaving very strangely and you know he you know we we went on stage and he just he stopped playing the songs he was just playing like open strings on his guitar just like dang 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 no one understood what was going on i remember you know i was i'm embarrassed to say you know i was 17 years old i was really angry with him because i thought he was drunk you know i remember walking across the stage and kind of kicking (laughs) kicking him you know like what are you doing and um I remember kind of him crying on stage. I remember the drummer having to give him a hug. You know, the whole thing was like complete chaos. And and oh no, it's and it's like what what's extraordinary was like years later, someone said to me that 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 was the most incredible gig he'd ever seen. You know, it was like a, a band kind of falling apart in front of your eyes, like almost kind of the the, yeah. ult, the ultimate spectacle. Oh, <laughs> you know, which of course makes you realise what makes an amazing gig for a punter doesn't necessarily make, make it <laughs> great yeah. gig for a band. Fortunately, yeah. da- fortunately, Dave, the, the guy is um, he's 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 alive and well and fine and these days. But yes, that was uh, that was that was grim. That was very grim. And did that spell the end of the band? No, no, went on for went on for years. Right. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he took a break though <laughs> yeah good but, good but yeah it's, i don't know it, it's kind of a life lesson isn't it i think about that quite often like whatever you might think about the music you're playing or what or the or whatever kind of art that you're doing other people won't they can't see it through the same lens that you do no and so no. They, they 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 may end up being affected by that in ways you couldn't even imagine you know you might think something is a bit shit that you're doing is a bit substandard they might think it's magical and, and who's yeah. to say that they aren't right you know what i mean yeah <laughs> exactly yeah, exactly you you perfectionists look at you yeah i did think about worst gig as a punter i oh yes which, uh, the worst gig that that i paid money to see uh yes. which was, was todd rundgren uh, right. really uh, who's our next yeah. guest which is great <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Todd's you know I, I love his 70s stuff I'm quite fond of some of the more recent stuff too I'd never seen him before I was very excited um and I remember I just it was just it was just a very poor gig uh, and, and and it wasn't just me who thought that there was a there was a <laughs> I remember during a break between between one of the songs one, one guy just shouting Todd Todd fuck off no, which was, which kind of stabbed no. it, was, it was genuinely a, a bad feeling in the crowd. It was kind wow. of... Um, what he, was he, it? Can you explain what it was? What, uh, what was happening? Bad choice... Uh, 
don't know a bad choice of songs he would do like uh he would do like these annoying little playlets with the bass player like things that weren't you know little little call and response things that weren't funny you know oh. and uh but i think the thing that annoyed us annoyed people most was that he had this he seemed to have disdain for his own material and i think that's kind of known about him that he, he yeah. like, he'll take the piss out of his own material so he came back i remember him doing like a kind of gentle swing version of hello it's me and there's something like there's something about artists taking the taking the piss out of their own material which it's just it has such a kind of lack of respect for the audience of course and, it has uh, of course it has yeah. because they, I mean, you know I, they may have had their first dance to one of these songs you know they may have yeah. walked down the aisle to so and then if you're disrespecting it that it it's an attack on you as well for your musical taste it's i, I think really so dodgy. i mean I, I, I have to add that you know i did i went to see him again a few years later to playing um playing the album a wizard a true star and it was so amazing that i was in tears so i mean i don't know what was going on that night that night in particular yeah. he, he evidently does have respect for his own material such that he he recreated it you know, the whole album for us um so i'm not saying todd rundgren is a bad person to go and see no but that not night at all was shocking <laughs> as as music fans i genuinely love this chat because it's so amazing on what makes a good gig and a bad gig. Because sometimes you can't put your finger on it. You know, I've, I've mentioned before on the podcast, Sugar, uh, mm. Bob Mould. I'd, yes. I'd waited for so long to see this gig, me and my best mate. And it was awful. It was, it was terrible. And I wanted to cry because it was so bad. And I was like, out to hear you be so rubbish. But well, that was a sound though, wasn't it? It's bad sound. He looked like he didn't want to be there. It just was, and sometimes you just gut it. And then you'll see them again, and you're like, "Oh wow, that that's incredible." You know, it could Bob well Dylan be the, being the perfect example. Eh? <laughs> it could well be that Bob Mould would agree. You know, would agree that would have agreed that that's that was a bad gig. You know, it's just yeah. kind of unfortunate yeah. things, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, we're at, no, the, totally. we're at the mercy of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I like that. Infinite now we have. Stuff. We have the last question, the quick fire round, and I'm going to be honest, this, this is quite cruel because it's not quick fire. And I was thinking about this last night as I was reading uh, 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 and thinking about a, a band who were playing uh, various albums. If you could watch just one band or one artist play their whole back catalogue, one album a night, mm. who would it be? Um, I think... Uh, <laughs> I think it would be uh, Magma. Bam. Okay. So what you didn't know, in my head, I was sort of counting the time it took you. So that means that you were under 10 seconds there, I believe. So well, that I, uh, must mean, boom, that is... Was that a hard decision for you? Well, the thing about Magma, who of course I, you know, uh, the thing everyone knows about Magma is that they're Steve Davis's favourite band. Yeah, that's he, right. He, 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 so let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> oh, you know, he, he, and and have you read the book? Steve's no, book? no, I haven't. No, I mean, I'm I am friends with Carvis, who 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 uh, who co-wrote the book. Who, with who him. did it with him? Yeah, I, yeah. I've got a. I've I've not read but it. I've, I have not. Okay. I have to my shame. I've not read it yet. No, but no, the, but, um, but he. Uh, but but Magma. Uh, I will. As soon as they, I think they're the one band who are around, who are still around, and of course they've been going since 1970. Yeah. If I see that they've announced a gig, I will get online and I will, I will be in the queue waiting to, yeah. waiting to, to, to buy that. Partly, I, I think now because you kind of think 
how much how much longer have they got you know christian vander the main guy you know they, yeah. we're all getting on you know and you're kind of thinking <laughs> might might this might this be my last chance to see uh, to see magma play live yeah. but also they do that they do do that thing where they book out a venue somewhere in paris and they do play all their albums one night after another so the, the answer came to me quite <laughs> quickly because that's okay. the kind of thing they would actually do i like um, that i like yeah. that that's a, a good answer i like i like listening to because it's it's so i think we would all put i've got so many bands that i love that it would have to be you know it would take me answer it would take me ages to answer that question because i'd be thinking oh do i want to get more nights do i want to go with a band who's had more albums or do i oh. just want to see oh do i just want to see jeff buckley play just that one album live or do yeah. i just want to am i just going to say the beatles because you know oh, I forgot about it. the Beatles <laughs> yeah, I didn't know oh, the Beatles were on forget. the table let's wow not, <laughs> let's not forget about you know so it, it's how I love that you've gone with Magma that's I think um, D- Divine Comedy were about to do that just before lockdown and I was I was serious was it at the Battersea Arts Centre I can't remember it was it was yeah um, and they were going to go through all their albums one night at a time um, but I don't think it happened I think they might have that might have been scheduled for about april 2020 so yeah be right. good to see them if they they do that again now this is similar similar vein and i'm interested to see after our chat now fantasy band oh this is one from left field yeah you, one from left field you are creating your your fantasy band rodri <laughs> you have drums yeah keys mm-hmm Bass guitar, yeah, guitar, yeah, and and vocals and bassoon, wow. and bassoon. bassoon. <laughs> well, well, I'll, I'll take care of bassoon. All right, so I okay. get to play on stage with this band. Okay, great. Okay, so who? <laughs> well, and we'll, who we'll, we'll film it, and I'll watch it later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who is this band? Oh man. Oh, See, man, I, I told you it was from left field. I didn't put uh, yeah. so I I sent an email through to to Roger. <laughs> I didn't put this in. Um, no, Alex sometimes but, throws these um, these curveballs. Oh yeah, I do. I like doing that because I want the yeah. spontaneity. Because as well, Rodri, I could ask you this afternoon the same question. It might be different, or tonight, or tomorrow. And I love that because I think as music fans, it's impossible for us. You know, one day I might have Nick Cave singing for my fancy band and the next day it might be Aretha Franklin. So it it can be right now in this moment, what is it for you, Roger? No, my you know my my difficulty with this <laughs> is that I I immediately start thinking about whether they'd get on or not. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I just I just start thinking, well, you know, you can't put you know you can't you can't put Jacko Pastorius in a room with, you know, Laura Mavula or whatever. Would they get on? Would they get on? I mean, or, I don't think Jacko Pastorius would get on with many. With many anyone? People. Yeah. <laughs> no. He's mentioned um, in Tommy Smith's episode as well, um, it's, it's yeah, also, by the way. Yeah. I also, it, it, it's so funny. It's just like, it, it, it's to do with my, the whole, <laughs> the whole way I think about music. Because I just, I immediately started thinking about logistics. You know, <laughs> thinking, right, okay. <laughs> I was thinking, right, well, it, you know, you're, you're asking me about a fantasy band and I'm wondering, okay, well, you know, are there flights from, uh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does Laura Mbula have, ha, does she have a driving license? Because we're going to have to have somebody well, to exactly, drive the van. Yeah. Who's going to pick, who's going to pick up the van? Exactly. Yeah. Who's picking you up on the way to the gig? <laughs> well, 
Well, I'll, I'll make my own way, okay? So don't no, worry about me. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. With no, you one, soon. no I, I'm not sure that anyone has at least vocalised it anyway, has, has taken it quite so seriously because i know i, mean, I know it, it's it's in the two words fantasy band yeah so you <laughs> i love this roger well it well it, it's also me massively playing for time because i basically just don't know what to, i don't <laughs> and, i'm not sure i can answer the question exactly it's, and we like that too it's really yeah that's so let's start at the back of the stage who's, oh, who's really and the drums who's behind the drums oh man I, I'm, I'm not sure I can do this, chaps. I'm not sure I can. I'm not sure I can just do it on the hoof. I absolutely I know, I know, I, love I, this. I love. I know this, it's honestly. kind of. I know it, is... it. kind of betrays a, a bit of a, a lack of imagination on my part. But I'm just kind of no. just kind of trying. I'm. Th- I, I'm just thinking about every drummer I've ever seen. I'm just thinking I can't. I can't. Yeah. I'm thinking of every drummer, but also no drummers. <laughs> <laughs> Who plays? Who plays drums? I'm like I'm like desperately reaching out. All of, I thought, wait, what? Who would the drummer be? I think I know. There's a bloke called Steve. I know who plays drums. <laughs> no, it's, t- it's terrible. No, I, I would love it if in your fancy band you've got your mate Steve on drums. Just to get, Why yeah, not? Yeah, 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 Why amazing, not? It's it? a fancy band. It would be if absolutely you've, amazing. You've, you've just told us that you're yeah. thinking about logistics and who would get on. So do you know yeah. what? It wouldn't surprise me if you just had a big heart because you're like, I know my mate Steve loves Jimi yeah. Hendrix, so <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put Jimmy on guitar and Steve's on drums. Yeah, I mean, but, but, but I have a th- I have a thinking, but but Steve can be a bit annoying. So he might start really annoying oh, Jimi Hendrix, you know, like yeah. he'd, keep asking, keep, he'd keep asking Jimmy kind of questions about Woodstock. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't want we that. And that. he'd probably drink all the rider, that Steve. I know what yeah. Steve's like. So oh. I, I hate, I hate to leave my, the, these uh, these positions unfilled, but I, I'm I'm afraid I might have to respectfully say I I, I don't I don't I don't know. No, that's fine. Well, what you can do is um, have, is have a think, have a yeah. think. Um, send send me an email and we'll read it out um, in in the intro to the to the, the episode <laughs> or, or, <laughs> not. Yeah. or not or, or, or not not yeah because yeah. I love that you've just refused that question about yeah. a fantasy band I think I yeah. I think I think I'm gonna get off more on that than the actual band you've given me because I it's, just it's, think it's, that it's, is it's so a bit of a, it's a bit of a and you know what there's there's many of us music fans who completely respect that saying nope well i can't that is impossible i think there are probably more music fans who would think what an idiot <laughs> and that's <laughs> what, what i like answer to answer that blaming question and yeah, that is mind. what i like to so all respect from you okay. i'm never gonna look at your answer even if you send chris one <laughs> right. so I'm gonna, that's the best fantasy band ever the answer to that question is who the hell knows because there's too many social awkwardness and logistics involved <laughs> Moving um, on. <laughs> yep, yeah, we are. Yeah, we're, we're we're nearing the close. Um, okay. So, um, I think you might have already asked this, uh, answered this. Who do you really wish that you could have seen live, but you, you yeah. didn't get a chance? Yeah, it's a shame with with with, with Paddy McAloon because, of course, he's still very much alive. But you know, you, he ain't he ain't going to be doing he ain't going to be doing gigs. No. I don't think he's just not he's just not in um not in a right state but uh yeah. a couple of a few years ago he just popped up on youtube with like a someone had filmed him writing a song called america just about his you know his take on the whole trump thing i think vaguely mm. kind of vaguely it's absolutely beautiful so lovely to see him singing um and i wish we i wish we could have the opportunity to see him sing but um yeah yeah well, Wendy from Prefab Sprout came to see Scritty play in Gateshead when we played there a few weeks ago. So I met her. So that was that was nice. 
Tell them oh, that how is good. she? Very well. Very well. I mean, we, oh, we, we, had to, we had to meet at a three-meter distance, both wearing masks, but we were kind of waving and saying nice <laughs> things to each other. So, you know. Oh, that is so lovely. Oh, that's genuinely yeah. warmed my cockles. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, they would be, that would be great to see. And who do, who do you really want to see that you haven't seen yet, but there's a distinct possibility that you'll have the chance? Oh, well, I know I've already, I know I've already mentioned her, but the, but the that, that Laura Mavula album blew me away oh. so much, and I and I uh, and I didn't get I didn't get to see her do that live, and I think uh, I, I'd like to see I'd really want to see her sing that mm. that the, the noise she makes is kind of extraordinary, and I yeah I I, w- I would really like to see her. Um, I'd, in terms of kind of in terms of big bands that might play, oh, no, man. no, I'm you. You don't have to name anyone else. You can okay. say Lauren Vula. She's she's brilliant. By the way, I, I'm lucky enough to have seen her live, and she honestly, Rodri, you really yeah. should see her. She's fabulous. Yeah. Okay, I'm off the hook on that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. There's no. You don't have to say. Oh, I want to see. I don't know. ACDC or the whatever. Stones. Yeah, the yeah. Stones or no Lauren Vula. I'm all right with that. All right. Who do you recommend? Because Chris and I, we we do have notes of these. Who do you recommend that we should go and see live that maybe we haven't? Now, I know that you w- would would not potentially know who we have and haven't seen, but yeah. who do you think, oh, man, everyone should see this, should see this It's funny, I mean, artist? I, I, I think part of the reason I'm finding, uh, finding the questions difficult is just because there's been such a gap in live music. And I know, I know this is part of the reason yeah. for the podcast, but, mm. you know, you, you, kind of, you kind of forget, you know, you kind of get out yeah. of the habit of... Um, but bands that, all, that kind of always would get me out of the house are field music. I think, okay, yeah, yeah. For their... They're just apps, just a complete joy. They're just, they're just so... So kind of... I mean, so creative. I mean, their their work rate is 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 extraordinary. They they so cons- consistent is a terrible word to use about a band, but <laughs> but just everything everything they put out is really good. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, I really like um. I really like Stealing Sheep, who were the oh, other. Yeah. Who who were um the other support band on the recent OMD tour? They did the dates that Scritty didn't do, but we didn't play a gig together, so I didn't get to see them, uh, and I still haven't seen them. But um I've I've been re- I really enjoy their more recent kind of electronic stuff, mm. uh, and I'd love to see them. I've seen some footage on YouTube of them playing in these kind of enormous fat suits, and it looks really fun. <laughs> yeah, oh, they're Amazing. fantastic. I've, I've I've photographed them a couple of times, and um, have you? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, to say, I've never seen them live. No, I've never yeah, seen them. Liverpool, Liverpool band. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're knockout. And, um, and then the other, again, the other artist that I, I love, and I, uh, and he's kind of very active at the moment. It's a guy called Craig Fortnum, who uh, he has a solo album out at the moment, but he also records under the name uh, uh, North Sea Radio Orchestra and arch garrison okay. uh, and it's kind of it's a it's a more it's a more folky sound but he, inc- like an incredible guitar player beautiful kind of um uh melodies kind of i'd guess a bit reminiscent of robert wyatt's or that kind of the Canterbury okay. thing mm. absolutely beautiful always a uh, always wonderful to watch him singing and playing so i think yeah, so those, so those, would he those. be in the fancy band <laughs> oh, so, okay yeah we'll get, we'll get there eventually right <laughs> I'm, I'm joking do you know what i'm excited by that because I, I i don't know him so i i i love i love a recommendation i love uh listening oh, yeah. to two artists for the i was gonna say new but 
new to me, new artists. So that is that is great. Before we go on to our last couple of questions, I just wanted to talk to you briefly about um, uh, some of the videos that you you put up, um, which I feel like it's you you scratching an itch almost. So, for example, there was um, one that you put out a few a few um, was it a few years ago about the um, um, the triplets in New Orleans oh, yeah. Blue Monday. Um, yeah. not being not being triplets um and i've <laughs> i watched i watched it yesterday actually and um and it was almost like it was catharsis for you you were kind of getting it out of your system um and the most the most recent one that i absolutely loved was where you were talking through chord progressions in um uh, whitney yeah. houston whitney um, houston yeah 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 uh, I did, do you find this this process is something where you get things out of your system that you feel better afterwards and you go, oh, I can breathe? I think, uh, I mean, I, I, I said it earlier, which is like, you know, when I, when I was a small person, just learning the piano, just like being able to work out how to play uh, a, a pop song that I really liked, like working finding out how it worked and what was going on underneath was really you know it was um that's what gave me like a huge amount of pleasure and excitement and like and over the years i've i mean no one's really heard them i've recorded dozens and dozens and dozens of cover versions of of songs that i like mm. here you know at home no just way. because I, just, just because i want just because i want to know how that song works you know uh, you know because it's you know it's easy to play Oh, I don't know. An, an Oasis song, you can kind of just strum, you can just strum through it and you kind of basically know what the chords are and how it works. But songs that have a bit bit more kind of a, unusual shapes to them or unusual movements and stuff, I really, mm. I just really want to know what's going on. And so that, <laughs> that chord, that, so I did a video about that there's a, um, uh, in the bridge to I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston, when she sings, when the night falls, on the song falls, on the word falls, there's a chord underneath, which is just, it's beautiful, it's absolutely beautiful. It's a beautiful moment in pop music, but like, what mm. is it? How did she, how did they do that? And so, you know, so I, 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 so I suppose the answer to the question is, I'm doing this at home anyway. <laughs> I suddenly yeah. think, what is that chord under when the night falls? Or, or, uh, or, or what is the intro to go, um, to True by Spandau Ballet? What are they, what are those chords? And um, and then so I'm doing it anyway. And when I realise that it's kind of interesting, I just turn the video camera on and just make a little vid. And uh, yes, there weird, there seems to be a an audience for that kind of thing. Oh, Although absolutely. I've not, I've not followed it up. But I just kind of think, oh, if I if I made it into a kind of a series. Do you know what I mean? If I committed to do one a week, it would just become a massive, <laughs> massive. Yeah, drag. well, I mean, I I love them because the um, although I, I I play saxophone, my um, knowledge of musical theory is non-existent. I do the I read music, but mm. if somebody said, right, this is in F, yeah, we're we're playing a a blues in F, I'd go, we'll just start playing it, and then I'll work it out, because um, I I was lazy and I relied on my ear, um, but. I found that listening to you talk it through, you you, you lay it out so well. And mm. I, I think, you know, if there are any um, songwriters out there who are learning, uh, it's it's just a lovely way. To, you, you explain it very well. Just that, that kind of the, the pro, what, what is this intangible thing? You kind of make it tangible, which is great. Right, but, right, also, right. but also what's great about it is the non-musician here per se, I think it's fascinating too. 
And even though I perhaps don't understand as such what it is you're saying or what that means, I, I, I still find it fascinating, you know, knowing the songs, it, it's, it's great. So um, if you need some kind of push or someone to say, <laughs> Rodri, you yeah. need to do one a week, then yeah. I'm going to message you once a week <laughs> and say, here's my weekly message, Rodri. Yeah. Because people love it. And I think people would really love it. So there's your homework. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just say, please don't message me every week. <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, no. The guilt. The guilt. Nothing, nothing to do. It would, it would be great. It's, it's, but I, I, do, I, do like, I do like doing them. It's just, I, I just have to. I don't just, think yeah. I don't think it would work as well if you had pressure on you. I think the 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 reason it works so well is that you're doing it out of love and um, yeah. out of inspiration. And yeah. when when they crop up, yeah. then that's a lovely little bonus for the week. Um, yeah. That's that, yeah, yeah. Let's let's not kill it. Oh, I feel better now already. Hey, there you oh, go. That's, that's my job. Like that's my Please job. make those bonuses uh, prop up once a week. It's almost yeah. It's almost like if you. <laughs> If you tell me I've got to do something, if one person tells me I've got to do something and then another person says, no, you don't have to do it, like the resulting relief is so huge. that it's a <laughs> Nice process to have gone through. Yeah. Not at all. It's a, it's a wonderful thing that you do there. Well, we are, we are on to the last, the last question, which mm-hmm. is really a recommendation. And it's, yeah. a, it's a recommendation of a, a live album or a live track or mm. a, a, a video uh, 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 that you you go to or or watch a few times a year, you know, yeah. anything. What what is it going to be, Rodri Marsden? I've never I've never I've never been kind of sure about like live albums. I've I've never really mm. understood the their their worth really because it's there's generally just better versions to be found elsewhere. And, That's and I don't, interesting. I, and I don't know whether the you know you know I don't know whether the addition of a bit of uh, audience applause or whatever really. I don't know. I don't know whether it conveys what the artist thinks it's conveying, but um, but of course, you know, YouTube is just a, a gold mine of of stuff. The thing that I, the thing that one video that I watched two days ago, and I find myself watching a lot, is uh, it's a clip from German TV of the band Heatwave, who did yeah. Boogie Nights. You know, mm. yeah. it's them. Uh, playing a song too hot to handle on 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 german telly and it's just a, it's just studio it's them playing live in in the german tv studio and it is it is just the most electric performance it is absolutely fantastic and rod temperton who famously wrote uh, you know songs for michael jackson or what have you mm. he's on he's on keyboards this kind of guy from cleethorpes on the, on the they got they got they got an italian bass player with a big mustache they got a kind of a bit of a chubby drummer and these two the, the two brothers singing um and it it is just it is just magic it, it it's so uplifting and i and i do watch it like you know every couple of months or so and um yeah I, I would i would recommend you type that heat wave too hot to handle german tv into youtube and watch it because it's just it's just magic well we will that put is, it on the website yeah. um, we'll put it on your episode page along with um some other videos of um performances or bands that you've you've mentioned and i'm looking forward to doing that actually because i feel like we've sp- i'm looking forward to hearing bastard kestrel to be honest oh yeah I can't, yeah um, <laughs> absolutely absolutely and yeah. before before we let you go rodri as this is the Christmas episode, yeah, I've not asked you about Christmas songs. 
and I don't know whether you hate Christmas songs or you love them, but if there's one Christmas song that we should all now listen to, which one, which one should it be? Oh boy. Um, no, I do like, I do like Christmas songs. Oh, um, I'm so glad you said that. Cause I, I love them. I don't like listening to them too early, but, but I do, I do love them. Um, yeah, I, I got I got a huge playlist of of kind of, uh, of, of about kind of hundred and twenty odd Christmas uh, like non standard Christmas songs. I think, really? Yeah, it's just yes, yeah, it's, it, and it, and we, we we put it on every year. But it's oh, yes. the thing the thing that makes me uh, and, and you know it's, this is not a um, an original thought, but the thing that makes me uh, feel more Christmassy than anything is Vince Guaraldi trios, Charlie Brown, um, Charlie yes. Brown Christmas album. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is and, a great uh, shout. It's yeah. a, it's just, a, it's just wonderful. It's, just, it's a work of joy, isn't it? It's just yeah. absolutely joyous. And, you know, Christmas tree, Christmas tree, the um, Tenenbaum. Tenenbaum. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, that's amazing. What, yeah. what a wonderful, what a wonderful answer. Rodri, I, I genuinely heartfelt love and thanks. I, I am so appreciative for you taking time to come on. Not at all. I, 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 I was so excited. I was so excited knowing you'd done this. And you are a gentleman on the old social media. And mm. you are an absolute fabulous musician. Thank you for taking time, and I hope you go and enjoy your Christmas turkey or whatever <laughs> it is you may be indulging in this week. Thank you so, so much. No, thank you for having me. It's been a complete joy. Thank you. Rodri Marsden, fantastic guest. Love it. Ho, ho, ho. ho. Merry Christmas, Rodri. See, what an absolute gem. A beautiful person. And uh, just to repeat what we've said, if if you don't know him, get on Twitter, find him. Listen to Scritti Politi and look for live things as well. He's just a fantastic musician, dream themes. And, of course, um, check out his Twitter feed on christmas eve christmas honestly eve. it'll bring such a smile to your face hashtag do they know it's christmas and if you have a few pence a few pounds spare please help him to raise money for homelessness he, he's raised so much money from from doing this for charity it's a wonderful thing and also check out the website his website page so um there are um, videos of him performing with dream themes there are yep. um some of these little um educational videos um yep. which are oh, they're just great really great and um, amazing yeah so and check out his, his spotify playlist which is on that that page as well so wonderful great so this is it chris payne yeah it's christmas time it's new year that's us done for yeah. this calendar year yeah uh, but we are coming back early in the new year aren't we 
yeah, we've got some fantastic guests lined up. Um, and oh yeah, there are some interviews next year which I cannot wait for. Yeah, uh, there are some which are going to be absolutely bloody awful. But, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's just that's just the intros. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at the law of averages here. Um, <laughs> um, but no, honestly, we've got some great guests coming up. And so for our final. Well, our final episode of the year, or maybe the, the first one of next year, it's it's going to be yep. out um, um, just at the end of um, 2021. And it is going to be a compilation of some of our favourite bits from favourite guests. Well, I'll try and get every guest on because we love them all. Love them I know, all. I, it could be the longest podcast episode ever It could be world. an absolute whopper. I know. So have a listen. Thank you all so much. Uh, for listening and if you haven't listened to us then you're not listening to this so you need to find those people and get them listening to us get yeah. it yeah yes. I think that makes sense. exactly exactly so tell your family tell your friends um to join join us and uh, and listen to the podcast and of course as always you know send us whatever you like your messages your pictures your photos your inputs your questions your answers you can find us on facebook twitter instagram gig stories pod and thank you for your support and we'll see you next year with loads of new guests but for now raise your glass of blue balls snowballs mechanic babies, breaker baby sham whatever it is you have in <laughs> have a mince pie and enjoy your christmas uh, it's good night for me, and it's um, Hoyle Vower from him or something, I think. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs>